Blog Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Deliverance is next. Parental discretion is advised. Live worldwide. Deliverance with your host, Jay Bartlett. For the next half hour, Jay will be exploring the unknown, the strange, the supernatural. Ready or not, you're about to experience deliverance. me to go through the four groups. As my friends, this will relate in many ways to the spiritual conflict we find ourselves in each and every day. During the Holocaust, there were four groups of people. There were the perpetrators. There were the ones who perpetrated the evil upon the dear Jewish people. Demonize individuals who commit the most heinous acts against mankind during the Holocaust. They were the perpetrators. Historians also classified another group the victims, obviously, the precious Jews. It's, as it's been reported, there are perhaps over 7 million Jews that perished during the Holocaust. They were the victims. They were the perpetrators. And then there was the bystanders. Those who stood by who watched, who didn't intervene. They weren't the victims. They weren't perpetrating the evil, but they just stood by. There were many of many millions of those bystanders. And then the fourth, fourth group, were the rescuers. Those who intervened. Those who, at great risk, helped the Jews, assisted the Jews, rescued the Jews from certain death. There were four groups during the Holocaust. There were the perpetrators, there were the victims, there were the bystanders, and then there were the rescuers. 
and the conflict that we find ourselves in, my friends, these four classifications of groups of people would still apply. They're the perpetrators, the victims, the bystanders, and the rescuers. Tonight, I want to talk about these four groups and how they relate to the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in on tonight's edition of Deliverance. I'm Jay Bartlett, and I'll be here for the next half hour exploring the unknown, the strange, and the supernatural. Ready or not, you're about to experience Deliverance. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with another story of a Jesus freak from The Voice of the Martyrs. The Voice of the Martyrs is still sorting out an unsettling turn of events in Indonesia involving a 58-year-old Christian man who was convicted of blaspheming Islam. When Antonius Bawangan received the maximum five years in prison for distributing literature that allegedly spread hatred of Islam, the sentence was protested by more than a thousand people. But the protesters were not demanding a more lenient sentence. They wanted Antonius to be killed. To punctuate their demands, the mob attacked police with stones and set two churches on fire. For specific ways to support and pray for Christians in Indonesia, go online to persecution.com. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with another way you can recognize a Jesus freak. Watch how they act. Now, the truth is that Christians aren't perfect. We mess up all the time. That's the sinful nature of man. But an authentic Christian will work hard so that the non-believers don't view us as hypocrites. Peter wrote, Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behaviors. And they will believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. That's an excellent reminder. Your behavior won't get you into heaven, but your behavior will help your neighbor to see and believe. For more on the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of a Jesus freak who was ready for the worst. Pastor Lee knew he was being watched by the Chinese Public Security Bureau. He knew the risk of preaching at the house church, as he did every Tuesday. Pastor Lee had been arrested many times and beaten to the point where he vomited blood. Once he was beaten with his own Bible. He also knew Chinese citizens can be sent to labor camps for up to three years without a trial. So he was ready. He even had a bag packed with a blanket and extra clothing. Still, he preached that night without fear. Sure enough, armed officers burst through the doors and arrested him. Lee was ready. Are you? How do you respond to the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.net.
right? There are four groups of individuals that exist in the war that you and I face, the spiritual war that you and I face. There are the perpetrators, the victims, the bystanders, and the rescuer. Which group would you classify yourself as being a part of? Honestly, which group? If you're a victim, then obviously we need to help you. If you've been victimized by evil, victimized by Satan, victimized by a cruel person, then we need to intervene. We need to help because we're about rescuing souls. I don't want to be a perpetrator, obviously. I do not want to be a bystander. I want to be a rescuer. I want to be involved in helping, rescuing souls for Jesus Christ. And you can help me do that. You can help me rescue souls. I need you to pray for me on this broadcast. There's people listening to this live presentation from around the world. There are people listening who are desperately needing assistance. Desperately needing to be rescued. And we need to help them. In Acts chapter 16, we read about the Apostle Paul coming across a young girl who practiced fortune-telling. The Apostle Paul decided to be a rescuer. He could have easily been a bystander, ignored the woman's cries, the young woman's cries, but no, he rescued. Obviously, he wasn't the perpetrator. The young lady was the victim. Paul decided to become a rescuer. In Acts 16, verse 16, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Paul could have easily ignored this woman's cries. At the end of the day, he decided to become a rescuer. And I'm calling forth every brother, every sister in Jesus Christ, whom we share our faith in Jesus Christ, to be involved in rescue missions. We need to be about rescuing souls for Jesus Christ. Trust me. There's many people who need to be set free. And we have the power and the authority to set them free. 
That's right. We have the power and the authority to set them free. And I would encourage you to become a rescuer. Become a rescuer. We need rescuers. I'm telling you, my friends, we need rescuers. We have too many bystanders. Largely, the Western church is just simply bystanders. That's right. They simply stand by while innocent people are being victimized, while perpetrators are becoming more emboldened, while the perpetrators are becoming more emboldened, and many more being victimized, and while the bystanders remain the bystanders, we need rescuers. In fact, the Apostle James tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is a command for the believer to walk in. We are to resist him. We need to take a stand against him. That means it's an active participated <clears throat> it involves act it involves an active role on your part my friends to participate in this war to resist to take a stand against him and god promises that if we do then he the devil will flee from you and that's a beautiful promise to claim as you all no doubt as you've listened to these radio presentations your eyes have been, no doubt, have been opened to the reality of the devil and his demons and their work throughout the world. There is a need to resist, lest he takes advantage of us and others. We need to be prepared for his assaults on our minds, emotions, and will. I'm so thankful God has not left us, my friends, to our own devices in fighting the enemy. And if you want to be a rescuer, I want to tell you that he is so God has so faithfully provided you and I with weapons to fight against against the devil and his works. We've been equipped with the information to resist the devil, and this information is derived from the holy scriptures that provide us with a number of spiritual weapons that are at our disposal. So, if you want to be a rescuer, you need to you need to have you need to be equipped with some weapons. Well the first weapon I want to talk about is our union with Christ, our most important weapon we have <clears throat> at our disposal is our divine sacred relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you think of anything that's greater? Of course not. There is no greater weapon than the person of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. He is Lord and has subjected all powers to himself. And the Apostle Paul made this clear when he wrote in Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus, my friends, is victorious. And in him we also are victorious. The devil has been defeated at the Holy Cross. The key, however, and this is a key, my friends. This is a very important key. And that is, you need to maintain that continual desire to identify with him, and not the flesh. For Jesus said that apart from him, we could do nothing. Our union with the Son of God is vital in our fight against the devil. To resist him 
We need to be in a vital relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Are you in a vital relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If not, then you need to call upon his holy name even now. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered, shall be saved, shall be rescued. You need to call upon his name right now as you're listening to my voice to simply repent, believe what Jesus Christ has done on the cross by shedding blood, dying on the cross for your sins, paying the penalty so you might be forgiven, so you might be healed, and you might be saved and rescued. And because of the power of his resurrection, because he is coming back, he is alive, he is Lord, he's worthy of all your praise and worship and your service. You can call upon him to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me. I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, enter my life. Fill me with your presence. That's all you have to pray, my friends. And if you pray that simple prayer, you've been born into the kingdom of God. Turn from your sins. Tell God, say, God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, O God. Make me into a new person. And that right there, that brief message that I just shared, there is no other message in existence like that message that supersedes the gospel. And that's another weapon. There is no other message that is as powerful as the gospel. Satan himself cannot counter the gospel message, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This message is able to save, heal, and deliver. And the gospel is simply this, Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So often modern Christianity, plastic Christianity, has often distorted the simple truth. The simple truth to its shame, I might add. May God help us from ever twisting or changing this saving message. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul reminds the believers of his day of the gospel, which he had preached and which they had received. It's interesting in that chapter, in verse 2, Paul makes it clear, by this gospel you are saved. This message introduces men and women, boys and girls, to the person of Jesus Christ, who delivers them from the kingdom of Satan. This message is unique in that it rescues the human from the devil's grasp and places the human heart into another kingdom, God's kingdom. There is no other message, my friends, that does that. There is no message. Now you can understand and, and know why this message is a weapon, for it delivers people from the devil eternally. And Paul vividly describes the gospel. For what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. When introducing your loved ones, your friends and others to God, make sure you share this most important message, that Jesus lived, that he bled, that he died, he was buried, but rose again, and is living in that risen state at this very moment. And just think, when you employ this weapon, you are importing, imparting a very powerful, powerful message that penetrates to the spirit of man. And Satan himself cannot stop this and is rendered defenseless when using this weapon. 
That's why you need to use these weapons. Satan cannot counter it. These are powerful weapons, my friend. Powerful, powerful weapons. Another weapon we have as rescuers is the Holy Scriptures. Not too long ago in our home, my wife and I were involved in an exorcism with a young man who was controlled by 28 demons. The exorcism went on into the middle of the night. We battled many, many powerful spirits that sought this man's destruction. We even faced a few that were very stubborn. While facing those spirits, I used a commonly known spiritual weapon, but sadly rarely use the Word of God. I know it sounds simplistic, but it is a powerful weapon. It's interesting, in the beginning of Jesus' earthly journey, he encountered the devil. Jesus himself turned to the Word to fight the enemy. When the devil tempted Jesus with the opportunity to rule all the kingdoms of the world, Jesus' response turned to the word and said, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the Apostle Matthew records that as soon as the word of God was evoked, the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. My friends, Jesus has set the example for the believer. We ought to turn to the Holy Scriptures in fighting the devil. For he utterly hates hearing the truth. This is what I did that night when dealing with those 28 spirits. Those 28 unclean, unholy spirits. I quoted often from God's word. And this weakened their power over the victim. I've also employed this weapon in a very literal sense. I've used the word of God in the supernatural realm as a sword. For it does not the scripture tell tells us that that the word of God is sharper than any double edged sword. It's living and active. And I used it as a sword against these spirits to weaken these stubborn demons that sought to hinder the exorcism. I raised my Bible on one occasion and would place it on the victim's head. I would I would have loved to see others witness. The demon grimaced and agonized in pain, for he actually felt the piercing of the sword. For remember, the word of God is spoken as being sharper than any double-edged sword. I continued to apply the word of God over the demon that I was dealing with. The demon then began to shed tears as he felt the piercing sword of God's word. After the exorcism, the young man asked what I did to him earlier. The young man was in a for the most part, a demonic trance. But he was wondering what I did to his head, for he experienced some piercing pain. I explained to him that I had used the word of God upon the demon that was, was resisting my efforts by placing the scriptures over his head. In utter shock, the young man shared how he remembers feeling a sharp pain racing down his spine. He was simply amazed at the power of the Bible. I told him, that what he had felt was the power of God's word countering and driving out the evil inside of evil spirit inside of him. The evil spirit was feeling the pain. He was afflicting this young man. But the, the sword drove out the spirit. We have many weapons, my friends. And rescuers, you have weapons. You have weapons. And you need weapons. If you're going to rescue victims of spiritual warfare 
you're going to have to use some weapons. Because apart from Jesus, you could do nothing. You need Jesus. You need his weapons, his word. You need his very, his very presence in your life. But there's more weapons I want to talk about tonight that God has so graciously, graciously has provided. And I want to talk about those weapons tonight. There's some weapons that you may not be aware of that you need to be aware of because these weapons are powerful. Still go anywhere? I'll be back after this brief intermission. Michael Tate with a thank you to a small church in a faraway place as they demonstrate what it means to be a Jesus freak. It's 1991, Canal, Peru. Terrorists burned down their church and 17 houses, all belonging to Christians. Their pastor is murdered, yet the very next night, 30 of these believers gather fearlessly in the muddy street to sing praise songs, worship the one true God, and even pray for their persecutors. They live by the words of Paul in Philippians 1.27. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Are you a Jesus freak? Go online to persecution.com. Testament, the anointing oil was a foreshadow or a type of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that was to come upon all believers. For Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, according to Luke 4, as was David, where it was recorded in Scripture. In Psalms 89, verse 20, I have found David, my servant. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. Anointing oil has been used for centuries by the people of God to separate them, to dedicate them to the service of the Lord. Oil, holy, sacred oil, another symbol, another element, can be used to expel evil spirits and to heal individuals from diseases and pains. In one exorcism I performed on a man from Africa, the demon shouted to me, get that oil away from us. Demons hate holy elements. They notice I was holding on to some holy oil, as I usually do when involved in the exorcism. The oil represents the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon a believer. Knowing the evil demons hated the oil, I immediately made the sign of the cross, using the oil on the man's forehead, and began to pray for him. 
the demon was driven out in the name of Jesus. Fallen angels, spirits, know what the anointing oil represents. Now, under the Gospels, record the disciples in the Gospel of Mark using oil. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many, many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. But there's many more weapons I want to talk about tonight. There's the church. There's the Holy Eucharist. There's so many weapons, my friends, that you need to be aware of. So tomorrow we're going to continue this discussion because you need to be a rescuer and you need to have weapons. My friends, you need weapons. You need to know about these weapons. And I want to help you find out more about these weapons. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to bless you. And I do bless you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.